You are listening to the Kairos Des Moines podcast. Jed says you did a great job. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you so much, uh, our friends from Iowa City, for joining us for this. I know uh, this can be in, uh, a time where it's challenging when you're not able to connect with people like you have been in the past, like you're used to connecting in person. And so uh, I'm so grateful for these new connections that are being made. I'm so glad to be worshiping with you all uh, and grateful that you guys tuned in this Fine evening. Now, we had a movie night last week uh, with this online app uh, called Teleparty. It's formerly known as Netflix Party, essentially where you you log on and the movie syncs up uh, to where you're watching the entire thing online at the same exact time. So you're all in the same place in the movie. And there's also a chat window open where you can talk, uh, chat with each other in the movie. And so basically you can talk into a movie, uh, during a movie, uh, and you don't even have to hear somebody else speak. It's kind of the best possible scenario. And uh, it's a good time, and I know the people that were there, uh, we had a great time, so we'll definitely uh, do that again. So if you missed it, uh, it was definitely a fun time, but we, you will have the opportunity to do it once again. And I was trying to decide what movie we should watch, because a couple weeks ago uh, I preached about Christmas movies and how meaningful cheesy Christmas movies are. This being a church-sanctioned event with Kairos, uh, it kind of... Uh, narrow down some of the things that I was going to be able uh, to show as a part of a church-sanctioned event. But we watched a new movie on Netflix called Jingle Jangle. And um, it has, I don't know if you've seen this, it came out with like no fanfare. It just it kind of appeared at least, or if it got promoted, it was someplace where I it does not reach me. But it just kind of popped up and I was like, what is this? I remember because it has uh, Forrest Whitaker in it and a couple other uh, people. And it has like a 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. And people have definitely responded well to it. It's made headlines for a number of different reasons. One of the reasons is, uh, I mean, it, it has insanely beautiful costuming and it has an insane set and it's shot in this beautiful way. Um, it also has music written by the folks who did The Greatest Showman. They collaborated with John Legend and made the music to it. So it is a musical, but it's insane. It's very good. At parts, it's very funny. It's one of those movies that has a lot of little lines where there were a couple people that were with us that had seen it already and noticed some some new, some new jokes kind of in between. It's definitely a movie you can show kids, but um, some of the jokes are kind of like the old Disney movies where there's like seemingly a couple jokes that only adults would get that are kind of in the middle of things. So that's always fun. And um, there's there, those are all reasons why it had gotten a lot of good press. But another reason is that it features an all-black cast uh, for all of the main roles and almost every supporting role as well. And we have spent a lot of time talking about racial reconciliation and representation here at Kairos, but all uh, at Kairos Des Moines. But also we've talked about that at Hope Elam, our campus here, the artist formerly known as, as Hope uh, Des Moines. We've been talking that about that here as Hope Elam as we've transitioned from being the mostly white Lutheran Church of Hope Des Moines and uh, joining with the mostly black Elam Christian Fellowship. And now we're talking about what it means to be one church where we're here under one name is Hope Elam. And the thing is, something that I just want to make sure is really clear. The reason that we've been talking about this is not because it's been in the news. We're not talking about it because it's a main thing of 2020, even though racial reconciliation and, and uh, uh, 
racial tension has been a major part of this year. We're not talking about it because of that. I do think there are times when we will address something as a church that uh, that's really popular in like kind of a, one of the big stories, because I think that we should as churches speak to a lot of the things that are relevant in people's lives. But I think that it's it's important to note that Hope Elam, the merger, has been in the works since before the murder of George Floyd, since before uh, the pandemic itself. We've been talking about addressing this large issue that um, there's a lot of issues um, around uh, systematic racism and all these different things. But the specific one that we were seeking to address was that on Sunday in church, that is typically the, the most segregated time in America. And we don't necessarily believe that that reflects the kingdom of God. I'm not saying that churches that are all black or churches that only have white representation in their small towns or whatever um, are worse or bad or anything like that. What I'm saying is we're seeking to do something new, following the spirit of God and where we think God is leading us to represent our immediate neighborhood and our, our beautiful new uh, campus right across the street from Drake and in this awesome, awesome neighborhood. Now, this is all just a side note in case you wondered why uh, the bearded white guy talks about systematic racism every once in a while, because I definitely do benefit in every way and every privilege that exists. Uh, just about I, I benefit from that. Uh, but this is something that we're looking to address as a church community, and that's why it gets talked about so often. Um, so it's just worth noting. And also another great thing I'm looking forward to in the future, getting to introduce you to Jeremiah. Uh, another reason I mention all this is because Jeremiah is our new pastoral intern here at Hope Elam. Uh, he is... Uh, he's a senior at Simpson College, so he fits right in with the age of uh, a lot of you all and is also looking at seminary for after he graduates. Uh, he's been at Elam for most of his life, and he has valuable experience as we look to become a diverse church and be able to um, continue to listen to each other's stories as a part of our church identity. And I know that Pastor Mike and the rest of the, the campuses feel really strongly about this as well. Um, Jeremiah has experiences as a black man in America that I never have had and never will have uh, simply because uh, of the places, uh, the, the privileges and the lack of privilege that we've experienced in our lives. So um, I'm looking forward to you getting to meet Jeremiah and uh, I'm looking forward to this, that being a part of 2020 as we continue uh, to lean in what it means to be a community here in this neighborhood. Know that this isn't just like an island of hope like a Hope Island right in the middle of things we don't pay attention to what goes on in the neighborhood. We're looking forward to engaging with the neighborhood, with Justin, with Jeremiah, um, with Ben, and some of the other people that you might have gotten a chance to meet. So uh, all that's to say, we watched this movie. It has a lot of things going for it, a racially diverse cast, great music, great costuming, fantastic story. And we watch it, and I commented during it with, uh, with the people that were on in the chat window that we could essentially have an entire sermon series based off of this movie Jingle Jangle. For like the, the first, like as long as it's cold, we could essentially do week after week something this movie's teaching. And we won't, don't worry, probably. But there was one particular moment that wasn't a major point in the movie, but it's just like, you know when those little things stick with you? And it's, it's just kind of rolled around in my head and I couldn't get it out. And I was thinking about it and I think it has something for us here as we continue our little mini series here with two weeks ago and today about the holiday season and beyond. 
You can check out the past podcast uh, on the, the link in our Instagram bio. Uh, you can find that. Uh, two weeks ago, we talked about how this season, chock full of holidays, that starts with Thanksgiving, goes all the way to New Year's Day. Um, we, we have a bunch of different things we're celebrating, and with Christmas in particular coming up. All of those holidays articulate the truth of God's love that extends far beyond the lights and the trees and the cold weather and the winter months. We were saying that in order, we want to keep uh, the holiday spirit as we keep going, this warm, fuzzy feeling that we all have this time of year. We were talking about how the truth of Christmas is something that isn't seasonal. It extends far beyond. It's year round. So this, what we're talking about tonight is the next step. So let's say, yeah, we're going into 2021, recognizing things aren't going to be ideal. It's going to feel mostly the same. Uh, but we'll have hope that we'll make it through this year and we'll try to carry that spirit into the bleak, holidayless, cold, winter, dark months, the January and February, or as I like to call them, Satan's months. I'm just kidding. That's not, I, they are not Satan's months. January and February are fine, except for the fact that they're completely terrible. So, um, what's that? In this hemisphere, it's in this hemisphere, it's bad. Anyway, um, all that's to say, no, I mean, January and February are hard, and basically all you have left look, to look forward to is things getting warm again. Uh, but there's this tendency that happens after the New Year's. Like, people kind of anticipate how terrible the winter months are going to be. Uh, I got reprimanded once, uh, lightly, just told, hey, Chris, you shouldn't say the word sucks during a sermon, but January and February, they suck a lot. So um, it's worth saying in this, in this thing, and uh, it's worth saying here. But the point being... That we know that's coming. And as the holidays end, everybody kind of buckles down. They say, new year, new me. Let's go do this thing. Um, quick, uh, feel free to throw it up in the chat. Throw, give up, thumbs up. Do we have any New Year's resolution people? I'm a New Year's resolution person. Anybody that like is, this is their year. Yes. I see some hands. Yeah. New Year's resolution folks, right? I love a fresh start. I love a new year that I, I, the first day of school was always my favorite back in the day because it was like, oh, everything is fresh. You get to kind of have a new lease on life. We do these things with New Year's resolutions where we say, we're going to make this year a better year. And that's, let's make this clear. That is a great ambition. It is good to want to be better. It is good to want to lean into what's next. And those are all holy ambitions. But my question is, what is, exactly does that mean? Let's make next year better. What does it mean to like seek after self-improvement? What does it mean to make New Year's resolutions? If we look at some of the most popular New Year's resolutions, one of them is if people want to make more money. Maybe if you're a college student watching this, you're saying like, uh, time to get that second uh, when I worked three part-time jobs simply because I like thought that's what I needed to do. Um, and maybe you're like, I need to make more money or you're a, you're a senior looking at next year going, I need to make sure that I get the, just that right job that makes just the right amount of money for my first profession, all of those types of things. But my question is, why do you have that ambition? I'm not saying it's wrong, but I think it's important to look at why that's something that you want. Do you want that because you're supposed to make more money according to everybody else? Are you wanting to make more money either in that first job or as you get look for that internship or whether you are just looking for another part-time job? Are you doing that because you want more stuff to distract you from the things going on in everyday life? 
Maybe for you, it's not money. Maybe you're like, I'm fine with that. Like I'm, you say I'm a college kid. That's fine. Um, but some people say, listen, I want to I wanna lose a few pounds. I want to get healthy this year. Now, wanting to be healthy, a great thing. I share that ambition. Uh, but a lot of times, the metric by which we seek that is by the amount of pounds that we shed. And the reason that we are wanting to shed those pounds actually has nothing to do with health. We want to be more desirable by somebody else's standards. We want to try to live up to the expectations of other people of what they view as beautiful or attractive or uh, uh, worthy of being someone's significant other or romantic interest. And what can happen with all of these different New Year's resolutions is that we can take a good, blessed ambition of personal improvement and use all of the wrong metrics to measure our success regarding those ambitions. We can have, we can want to improve ourselves, but all of a sudden, all of the reasons that we're doing it and the metrics by which we're judging ourselves, whether it's money, whether it's health, whether it's what have you, accolades, accomplishments, all of a sudden, New Year's resolutions turn into a way that we can live up to everybody else's standards. And what that can lead to, if you're perfectly successful in following all of these different things, even if they're not the right thing, it can lead to being a tremendously successful, good-looking, wealthy, hollow, and potentially miserable person. And I'm not saying that everybody who is successful or wealthy or good-looking or any of these things is, a hollow, is, is not happy. What I am saying is there are plenty of examples throughout history of people who have had everything and said it's not enough. I recognize that I'm also speaking to college students. You probably also feel a lot like I do, which is every time somebody's like, listen, having everything you want isn't the answer. And you're like, all right, I mean, I know being wealthy and successful by the world standards won't fill me up. You might think like me, how about you just give me the opportunity and I'll test it out for myself and I will let you know if it's worth it or not. But there's a reason that person after person throughout time and cultural shifts all have the same experience. They say things like, I got everything I wanted and it still wasn't enough. This is, these are popular uh, things that have been said by people in the past, um, past entertainers from kind of different eras. Back in the day, Jim Carrey was a big one that used to say a lot, hey, I had everything I wanted and it, wasn't, it didn't fill me up. There are plenty of uh, different singers from different bands, musicians, entertainers, actors, that have said this, and even recent documentaries on wildly successful people on Netflix, you can find these in a bunch of different places. Uh, people like Tom Brady, the football player, the, the Taylor Swift documentary that came out recently, the Shawn Mendes one, um, there, uh, as well as a lot of the things that Justin Bieber has said recently. They're all different circumstances, they're all different people with their own habits, hangups, and blessings. But one of the things that kind of unites all of them is that at some point they kind of look at everything that they had. They've done everything that they're supposed to do, and they still deal with the same brokenness that a lot of us do. I remember there's a particular moment in the Sean Mendes documentary that I ended up watching um, that an incredibly talented guy, and he's super, super young and uh, for having the amount of success and fame and money that he's always had and grew up on Vine, I think, is where he got popular. And so, yeah, and so he's never kind of not been in the spotlight. And at one point he kind of sits back and is like, this is a lot. 
He's like, sometimes I just kind of wish I could be alone. Sometimes I wish there was more than just this thing in front of me. And there's, it, there's really moving moments in all of these different documentaries. Sometimes we try to aspire to these things that we want to get out of life when the people that have all those things have still known that it's not enough. And sometimes we're left to getting to those goals by any means necessary, uh, whether that's hurting ourselves, hurting others, ruining friendships, relationships. We need to climb that ladder the best way that we can. Now, getting back to our movie Jingle Jangle, uh, has this moment where the main villain, played by Keegan-Michael Key, who's half of the really hilarious comedy duo Key and Peele, if you know that from Comedy Central, but uh, he plays the main character, the main bad guy, and he's coming out to present this next thing that he's going to do in the movie, and he's being introduced, they're naming all of his successes that he's had in life, he's been incredibly successful, and he's stolen a lot of these successes, but he's continued to work exhaustively his entire life. You can tell there's this kind of franticness to him throughout the film. And uh, he's, there's this franticness to prove his worth and his value to the world. Everyone is going kind of wild and crazy and applauding for all these things that they're, just, that they're listing for him. And there's this moment where the camera zooms in on his face. And the, it's just him. The, uh, the, the curtains are still drawn and it's just a close-up of his face. And he just looks so sad. They're listing all these beautiful things that he's accomplished with his life. And he has just this kind of empty look in his eyes. Because he knows that it's not enough. He knows that he had cheated and lied and ruined relationships to get there and is still feeling the weight of that brokenness. He had known all of these people that he had had to step on to get there and he still wasn't full. How many of us substitute in our ambitions for new and better things, especially going into 2021. I'm not trying to say this is a prophetic word or anything, but I think that we're entering 2021. People are gonna be so eager to get out of this year. I wonder how many of us are going to substitute wholeness for success. True wholeness for somebody else's form of success or pleasure or an escape from everything we've experienced over the last year. Now, thankfully, Scripture does have something uh, to say about this, and it's in the book of Romans that you heard read to us before. I'm actually going to read out of a different translation. This is the Message Bible written. It's a paraphrase of the Bible, meaning they didn't translate every word, but they translated every like thought. Uh, so it's, a, it's an easier thing to understand. Um, it's in kind of modern everyday language. And we're going to start Romans 12, verse 1. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for God. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best in you, developed, well-formed maturity in you. The author goes on to thank the people that he's writing to and eventually says, if you preach, preach God's message. If you help, just help. 
If you teach, teach, just stick to your teaching. If you give encouraging guidance, be careful you don't get bossy. If you're put in charge, don't manipulate people. If you're called to give aid to people in distress, keep your eyes open and be quick to respond. If you work with the disadvantaged, don't let yourself get irritated with them or depressed by them. Keep a smile on your face. What Paul, the author, is saying here is he's talking to a group of Christians in Rome about living into the promise of what God has uniquely blessed us to do, not chase some version of someone else's happiness. Very rarely will you ever hear me talk about the evil world's culture because I don't, I don't actually believe that that's that different from what we're doing. A lot of church culture has been affected by broken people too because the church is made of imperfect people as well. What I'm saying is that God is seeking to work inside church, outside church, and all of it. Do not chase someone else's version of happiness. God is telling us that God has uniquely placed something in our hands to use it to bless other people. Paul says it right here. If you're teaching, just teach. If you're leading people, lead. Don't get bossy. Recognize that you've been put there for a reason. It's okay if you do not have the skill that that person you idolize has because you've given, been given something that they don't have. What does it look like as we kind of go through this Christmas season and as we, we kind of ramp up to getting, you know, vaccines are going out and we'll, we're praying for, for those people and that, that all of that goes smoothly What does it look like to look at next year as we seek to kind of reintegrate, to use what we've learned about ourselves throughout the pandemic, to recognize what we have, to not not take the time during the pandemic to take a good hard look at yourself and what you've been blessed with would be a major missed opportunity. What do you have? Not what somebody else wants you to have or not how are you going to run away from 2020 as fast as you can. How are we going to learn what we How are we going to use what we've learned in the pandemic to bless other people in this next season of life as we all try to figure out what life looks like, what's next? That's the big question that we have to ask. Now, you might look and say, all right, Chris, that makes that I mean, that makes fine sense, I guess. But what if I don't know what that is? Like, what if I don't know how I'm supposed to improve? How do I tell if it's just New Year's resolution, me following somebody else's expectations or something that God wants? How do I know what that is? Here's a couple of uh, things. First of all, if anybody ever tells you they speak only for God and that you should listen to them, be wary of that person. But here are a couple of things to look out for. First of all, pray about it because that matters. Um, Talk to people that God has put in your life that you trust uh, and see what they call out in you. And a couple of other things to consider. Look at what you're aiming at. What is the end goal? Is the end goal accolades? Is it fame? Is it fortune? Is it having more things to distract you from your own brokenness? Are you wanting to prosper financially simply for the flex of it or that you are supposed to have it? Or is it because you dream of being generous with those that you love? Are you wanting to be fit so that you can live a long life of loving people well? Or is it so that you can look for people to assign you value because it's value that you can't quite find to give to yourself. Are you wanting success in a certain field or in a certain activity, in a certain kind of realm of the world, a certain talent or passion? 
or a project because you need that validation from others? Or is it because you're using the gift that God has given you? Looking kind of at what's the center of it, it might not be that you have to change what you're doing. You might have to recognize why you're doing it. Plenty of blessed and loved people in my life, um, and I've done this as well. Um, being on stage, um, singing in college, different things like love. It's do it because God has given you voice, not because for applause. You know, use your actuarial skills, um, not for the paycheck that comes with it, but because of the good that you're able to do in the community to bless other people like yours truly who can't do math. Uh, do do uh, follow your passions. Because God has put them there. It's great to be passionate about them. But recognize why you're doing it and what good you can do with all of that as well. So what does it look like uh, to, what does it look like exactly to do all of this for the right reason? What does it look like uh, for us to be able to, to follow a passion relentlessly for a single-minded purpose? We're going to try something. I haven't done this before. We're going to try it. Uh, Jenna T, our faithful Zoom czar is uh, she's going to queue up a clip and she's going to share her screen and hopefully we can watch this together.
Awesome. Cool, cool. You guys, Chad's crying like a baby. No, I I cry every time watching that. I don't know how clear that was. Or I know it was a little bit choppy, but man, that is a picture. I saw that. I think I saw that today for the first time. And as I was thinking, that is the perfect picture of somebody single-mindedly pursuing something for something larger than himself. It's for the people that he loved. My prayer is that you would be able and that we all would be able to see clearly the goal of love and relationship on the other side of our goals. I pray that the blessing that we have in our relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God, I pray that we would see how the goals that we make and the work that we put in and the aspirations for ourselves might be rooted in the identity of a member of God's community. That our goals might be rooted in this, the way that God sees us and the blessings that we can be to other people. And I just pray that we would unabashedly be given strong feet to walk that path ahead of us like that, like that old German guy in the commercial. So we're going to break off uh, just for a few minutes into groups uh, and we're going to ask the question, what's something that you hope for this new year? Maybe not a goal or a resolution. You can share that if you want, but what's something that you hope for? Maybe it's more connection. Maybe it's for um, more in-person gatherings. Maybe it's a certain opportunity. What do you hope for in this new year for all of us or for somebody else? Uh, or even just, I mean, for you, for you personally, maybe in your own story. Whatever you feel called to share, we'll break off into some groups in a second. Before we do that, let me pray. Lord God, we thank you for being a good God. We thank you uh, for giving us the gift of Christmas. We thank you that no matter what this year brings, God, that your gift of Christmas is something that can't be stopped. That the truth that you defeat all brokenness, despite how much brokenness is in front of us, God, we thank you that that's especially apparent this year. I pray for all these students for safety and health and their traveling in their holiday, and God, I pray in their spirits. God, protect them, give them peace, and give them unshakable joy in both your story and the way that materializes in the relationships with people in front of them. I pray that they would see themselves as you see them, God. That they would, uh, as they make New Year's resolutions looking to 2021 and this difficult stage of life of being a college student, I pray that they would see their worth. I pray that they would see the value of the things that you put in their hands. And God, help them to run unabashedly towards the gifts that you've given them. God, we thank you for them. Pray they would know the blessing that they are to their community, to this ministry, and to you, God. It's in your good name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.